uh, right here. Hi. Um, my question was, um, when you're in relationships and you tend to trigger things in other people um, by being, by, you know, them asking you a question and you're authentically sharing, and what do you do with the stuff that's coming back at you? Is it something that you need to learn about that situation, about being more compassionate um, when it's really hard or very venomous or very intense? Um, it kind of brings me up to the point where when you were talking about repulsion, you said um, you said two things. You should flee, but then you should stay in it because there's something that you need to get. So I'm just trying to figure out, is it well, something you need to... flee and learn from it. Uh-huh. Um, no, we don't ever stay where someone is being abusive toward us. And I'll come back when you cool off, is the idea. But then you also... Ask yourself, is there something in this that I can learn from? And you may just be getting information about how toxic the relationship has become. Mm -hmm. So that would be information also, okay. unfortunately. So are you saying to stay, to, to, to figure out what you need to learn, but then if it's something that is an ongoing thing, then you, it's time for you to mm -hmm. hit the... Yes. Okay. And, it, and if it happens... You're oh. staying when the staying includes a willingness to work on whatever is going on. Okay. And what if it happens more in other areas of your life where you feel you're just getting... Um, when you're being honest with somebody and it brings up something in somebody that you get it? It would make us... Um, is it something you're doing... <laughs> Yeah, you always have to ask yourself, is there a way that I'm presenting things that isn't coming across as kindly feedback, that comes across with judgment? And sometimes we don't even realize that we have a certain edge in our way of talking that does get in the way of our being able to communicate. So it's good to ask someone we trust, how do I sound when I say things like this? Okay, was there somebody else? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Generally, I just wanted to ask you if you could mind talking a little bit about your training, your background, um, where you were trained, and specifically, I wanted to know if you were affiliated with Pacifica, since you're down in that area. Um, yes, I used to teach at Pacifica, and um, now I'm teaching at UC Berkeley Extension and Santa Barbara City College, adult ed. But you can see me during the break about that kind of thing. Um, I want to come back to the three um, qualities that we were looking at, which have to do with um, what gives a relationship more depth and promise. And we were saying that um, one thing that can happen is you get pointed to where your work is and then the other person is willing to hold you while you're in the work and accompany you through it. So let's ask ourselves, what is really meant by each of these before I go on to the next topic? Because 
Um, just using the words might not be enough. So by pointing, I mean one, that someone specifically gives you feedback. You know, when you come at me that way, uh, it has like a needy quality and it only turns me off. Is there a way that you can present your needs so that I can feel comfortable in responding? And then secondly, pointing happens by being triggered. When you do things like that, it reminds me of what happened in my childhood. And then I find it hard to be with you. So let's see if we can look at that. Maybe have a way of interacting that uh, can work for us. But even more importantly, uh, I need to notice where my triggers are so that I can be pointed to what I need to work on in myself. Because if something from childhood is still bothering me, then I have to follow its path, like Alice following the white rabbit, down into the unconscious, into the underground of the psyche to find out what must have happened in early life, some of which has been forgotten, repressed, or dissociated from. And when I'm ready, I will be able to uncover it and address it, process it, and resolve it, if possible. So that's what I mean by pointing. Now what's meant by holding? Here we go to our five A's, which are the original needs that we had in childhood. <clears throat> we had a need for attention. So holding means being attentive. Someone is holding us in our stuff when he or she is attentive, really listening, rather than coming back with our own story, accepting the person. So you're attentive, acceptant, appreciative of all that you went through. I can appreciate how painful that was, and I appreciate you for being so courageous enough to talk about this. And I feel affection for you, no matter how wounded you are. And while doing all these, uh, I have a feeling of a style of allowing rather than trying to control or fix you. So I'm attentive instead of um, not listening. I'm acceptance instead of judgmental. I'm appreciative instead of discounting. 
the importance or value of what you're saying. I'm affectionate instead of contempt, holding you in contempt. And Gottman in his work on relationships says that contempt is one of the styles that leads to divorce. And I'm allowing instead of controlling. This is what I mean by holding. So I hold your painful recollection of your past and your sense of being needy, your being needy. I hold these in this attentive, acceptance, appreciative, affectionate, allowing way with no attempt to uh, judge you, discount you, hold you in contempt, or fix you. That's the holding. And this would have been the same kind of holding in childhood. This is how our parents would have held our fears. I want to hear about your fear. I want to accept it, rather than say there's nothing to be afraid of. I want to appreciate how painful it is for you. I still love you no matter how scared you are. And I allow you to have this feeling without trying to end it or fix it. So the holding would come from parent, partner, friend, anyone with whom you have established some kind of a bond. Therapist, obviously, would be in this category. And then finally, the companionship is I support you in your work by coming to therapy with you if that's how you're doing it, by contributing to whatever it's going to cost, by um, doing whatever exercises with you that are recommended, uh, by showing that I myself have issues that are something like yours and working on them with you. So I work on mine along with you working on yours. And there's something about the companionship that validates, that makes you realize I'm not wrong or bad for having the feelings I have or the needs I have other people can relate to them. And that's what you're doing in the companionship. You're relating to the issue. So I'm needy too in some ways, and I relate to your neediness. I see where it comes from, and I support you in making the move out of it. 
codependence is I just sit with you in it with no movement. Enabling would be the alternative to holding. So I just enable you to go on doing this, this dysfunctional thing. Codependent, just get stuck in it with you. Like Br'er Rabbit getting stuck in the tar baby. And instead of pointing, this is what I mentioned before about the <clears throat> judging. So these would be the unhealthy alternatives. So this gives you a clearer and bigger picture of the three that we've talked about. I'm going on to another topic, but I just wanted to wind up with this part. Everybody follow? Any questions on this part? Okay, we have our microphone. I'm a little reluctant uh, to raise this question, but I, I would suspect there are parents uh, listening to you about holding uh, as an ideal for the child, and it sounded all good except for the very last part. Uh, and I, maybe, maybe if you could clarify for me and perhaps some other parents, um, the idea is um, I accept you as you are, which sounds great, but I think that the child who is fearful <laughs> might also benefit from some advice or some direction. Uh, you have much more experience than the child has. And so I'm just wondering if that, am I mis I'm probably misinterpreting. No, no, uh, that, what, what, what that you comes said. with the companionship because that's where you support a move. So now let's, okay. let's look at how you move through this. Got it. Let's move through it together. So it's all three. It's companionship plus the holding, plus the pointing. And the synchronicity of it is that we find just the person who, we certainly find the person who will do the pointing. Don't necessarily find the one who do the holding and the accompanying. There we're on our own. So finding the person who does the holding and the accompanying is finding the soulful companion, whereas almost anybody will do the pointing. In this sense, every relationship is successful because everyone, po everyone po certainly points. <laughs> so at least get you started. Yes. Well, this is more of a comment than a question, but as you were going through the holding, it occurred to me that basically we have to give that to ourselves 
yes, that ultimate, ultimately that's that's where it's at. Because even if another person can give us all of that, if we're not accepting our own experience and allowing it and appreciating it, um, it's not going to work. Yes, all of these would be applicable to what we give ourselves also. How do I hold myself as I go through something? I pay attention to what my body is saying or doing. I accept myself rather than judge myself, put myself down. I appreciate the uh, levels at which I experience this. I still love myself and I allow myself to go through it. So all of this, everything said about relationship is also said about our relationship to ourselves. And we didn't really learn much about this. Okay, so any other way in the back? Yes. Depends on how much time you have. <laughs> Young person like you can hold out. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, she's bringing up a good point. It's, that's always the choice we make. Do we hold out for the real thing? Or do we take the little tidbits we can get along the way? Also depends on how much stress you're able to handle with a string of people who fail you. Okay, let's have two last questions, you two, and then we will go on. I just have a comment to that question. Um, yeah. I've been in a 26-year relationship, and I found that you can... I don't know that it had to be the right person to start with, but uh -huh. it's things you can work on, I think, um, yes. if you have that commitment. And I've been the pointer in the wrong way, and I've learned how to be better at not doing that. So I don't know. It's always um, – I think you talked about that last time, the, the adult dose and how a person isn't going to give you 100% of what you need. Right. And I think um, – in my relationship, I've come to realize that. So I don't think it's necessarily like the Prince Charming person that yeah. is going to solve all your problems. Good point. And she's bringing up a, another important point. The holding and the accompaniment is the definition of commitment in this topic.
person committed to you is the one who gives you the five A's once things are triggered and supports you in moving through it so that you can have a healthier life so that you can find happiness, fulfillment. That would be the nature of the commitment. Okay, we had one last though, red sweater or shirt. Uh, essentially, I'm just um, following up on uh, the previous comment. Um, I think that, you know, most of us are pointing, relationships are often a lot like uh, tuning forks. And so our, the childhood issues that one's going through trigger the childhood issues of the other. And mm. I, I think that m maybe we can have some good fortune of having soulful moments and maybe those with greater fortune have soulful relationships. And, but I think that um, we can work on creating um, the holding and the companionship and maybe through the help of good friends or therapists holding the relationship as we continue to bumble along and develop better skills in the holding and the companionship part, mm -hmm. part of it. Yes. I'm hoping that what we talk about today can move us a little bit in that direction. Okay, so take a look at your um, little handout card. Does everybody have this? Uh, raise your hand if you need one. Um, would you give some up? Just raise your hand if you don't have one. The other handout I gave is for you to take with you for your own information. <clears throat> but this is the one we want to take a look at because it leads us into our next uh, part of the topic. Everybody have this? Okay, so uh, this is uh, something I'm using as an affirmation and uh, kind of something you could say daily if you were interested. I say yes to everything that happens to me today as an opportunity to give and receive love without reserve. I am thankful for the gift of love in me from the sacred heart of the universe. May I open my own heart more and more. May everything I think, say, feel, and do foster justice, peace, and love for all humanity. May love be the purpose of my life my sacred trust, my destiny, the finest grace I can receive or give. So everything that happens to me today is an opportunity 
And here is the synchronicity of it. Synchronicity, a meaningful coincidence. So everything that comes my way beyond my control, everything that happens rather than something I do or create, but everything that happens to me, including betrayal, gives me an opportunity one to see and engage in my psychological work and to do my spiritual practices. What are the two main spiritual practices in our tradition? Mindfulness and loving-kindness. So it's not as if we are at the mercy of the random event, events that occur, they become no longer random when we see them as opportunities, clues, triggers, into what makes us grow psychologically and spiritually. In this sense, every event is precious and in our favor. And the synchronicity of it is the coincidence between what happened and what we took from it that helped us grow, that increased our spiritual consciousness. Once I get it, that everything is to my advantage in this sense, my fear is gone. There is nothing left to be afraid of because no matter what, it will definitely offer the opportunity for growth and practice. And when these two become so important, then I welcome all that happens with the unconditional yes. So the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, because these things that happen are things I can't change and didn't cause, can't control, all these things, when greeted with 
Yes, show me my work. Yes, increase my commitment to my practice. When you greet them in that way, as I state in the affirmation, then you evolve because of them. So this is kind of a spin-off from what we talked about before. It's in a relationship, something will be triggered, and so forth. Here, we're saying, within whatever happens, there's some type of uh, favorable wind that blows us toward our work and our practice. Somebody dies, somebody leaves, something is lost, something ends, whether it be negative or positive, it always offers at least the opportunity. And in that sense, everything can be granted hospitality. Question? Do we have the microphone? Uh, behind the pillar. Um, let's see. So this is kind of a, you know, um, <clears throat> dramatic example, but what came to mind as you were speaking <clears throat> is, you know, those dire situations where, um, say in the Congo or in a housing project in Oakland or, um, you know, uh, the Holocaust, people are being let off to die. Um, how can they square that? So some events are so possessed by the most evil impulses in humanity that it's hard to see what the opportunity is, and it may not come till years later. And sometimes the opportunity doesn't have to do with surviving. It's be more like um, in the book Man's Search for Meaning, the uh, psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, shows that this, this at least gives me the opportunity to maintain my integrity and my self-respect. And I may not survive, but... Uh, I will not descend into believing all these humiliating things they're saying to me, and I won't retaliate. So this would not be a strategy for survival. This would be more like, um, how do I find the golden kernel, K-E-R-N-E-L? in whatever occurs. And I agree that some events um, are, are so far into the shadow side of the human psyche that 
It's hard to keep this in mind. Other way in the back? I have an, another question um, about death. Do you think we live in a society that feels that holding on to life is the most important thing? So oftentimes, lessons learned that don't have to do with our survival, or if someone very close to us does pass away, and sometimes we learn more from them as, as they've departed. Um, yet that doesn't seem to be supported in our society as much, so it's hard, it's difficult sometimes to wrap your mind around that. Yes. We're not going to get support in this very much, <clears throat> especially the voices that say <clears throat> fight against what happens more and more or retaliate. And this still makes room for the things we can change. We want the courage to change the things we can, but when we can't change them, <clears throat> we can at least look for the opportunity. And the idea here is that just the things will happen in your story. That's another part of this. Um, only that happens in your story, which meshes with what your work will be and what your spiritual practices will be like. So the spiritual practices are, of course, the same for all of us. But the personal work is unique, tailored to each person. And the coincidence is between <clears throat> how, the, how the event that occurred contained the opportunity that led to the personal growth, that these three came together within my story. And that the, once you get it, that nothing can happen to me that is not already part of my personal story, then there is nothing left to fear. Because you're only really scared by that which is alien. And there is nothing alien in your own story. Kind of hard to express this in words, <clears throat> but it's, it has something to do with trusting that uh, your personal, so I trust that my story, which includes my childhood and my present adult state and everything in between, that's my story. Trust 
that my story contains totally sufficient <coughs> opportunities for the specific kind of growth that I need to engage in. And once you get this, then there's nothing left to fear about the story. Because it will, it's, it's, even though it may be unpleasant in many ways, <clears throat> it certainly is mine. It certainly belongs to me. And always did. So, so I'm not being hit by uh, something that's outside myself. I'm, I'm simply going through my experience and finding a way through it that leads to growth. <clears throat> Does this part make sense? Uh, I feel like I'm not really expressing it well. But that could be because I myself don't understand it. <laughs> but somehow it seems right. <clears throat> It'll be like saying, uh, Pinocchio would never have to fear the wicked stepmother. Snow White would never have to fear the whale. The events of their story are encapsulated to protect them from other stories that don't mesh with who they are. The little wooden head <clears throat> that needs to become a, 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 a real boy will not get there because a stepmother thought he was cuter than she is. He needs to go into a whale's body and light a fire and rescue his father. That's how he will be fulfilled. And so he can trust that he has just the story that can make that happen. And Snow White does not have the kind of a body that is meant to go into whales, start fires. She has a whole different thing. <clears throat> and her story allows her to get where she needs to get by what she does. So something like that with us. If only we could trust this. That's why it has to start here. I can trust that the kind of body I received, the kind of hard knocks that I went through, the kind of religion I inherited, the family I was born into, the city and state where I grew up, the kind of schooling I had, that all of that that creates my story is exactly suitable, hence the synchronicity, to give me 
all the opportunities so that I can grow. So my unique path leads to my unique way of being fulfilled. And I wouldn't get there if I had <clears throat> Franklin Roosevelt's story or Hitler's story or Mother Teresa's story. Only my own. Is it getting any clearer? Well, maybe we should just abandon it and I'll go on to something else. But any other questions? Okay. Uh, do we have the mic? Oh, you have, okay, way in the back and then. <clears throat> um, so I have a question about um, the forward momentum of this and how the benevolent something, the mystery, helps um, propel us for, towards greater fulfillment and growth. And then how that interacts with um, this sort of paradox that, with it, within spiritual practice of the um, uh, letting go of the story and the eternal present and just nowness and not we're not going anywhere propelling forward at all and so I was just wondering if you could speak to that paradox a bit in and how we embody both ourselves as both spiritual beings that aren't going anywhere and um, soulful beings that have a path and trajectory. Mm -hmm. So she's bringing up, I want to come back, I thought of something else, I'm going to come back to it. Um, but we're meant for journey. But we're also meant to be perfect. Find our perfection, acknowledge our perfection in the here and now. So Dorothy, I'm perfect right here in Kansas. And it's important to go somewhere. And the way we know that these go together is that you can't avoid it. So when she said to herself, because she did leave home on her own, but she was convinced to go back home because the wizard said that her aunt needed her. So she went back home. As she got to the property, the winds had picked up. So I'm coming back home, perfect here and now. The tornado threw her into the other world because she was not going to get away with not having a journey. So yeah, you're perfect. You have your aunt. You have everything is here in Kansas. But you're meant for something else. So that's the paradox. So we, don't, we can trust that it's always okay just to 
see ourselves as perfect in the here and now, the journey will happen anyway. And somehow in every step of the journey, it's perfect. She kept saying, I want to go back home, kind of missing the point. But actually, it was, she was perfect in every scene. And I want to go back for a minute. Um, I think the trust will be this unusual practice, a certainty that I had just the right parents and just the right childhood and just the right story to do everything that I would ever have to do in order to be enlightened. Maybe that's a way to put it. <clears throat> the certainty that this story of mine, no matter how bad it was, is still suitable for full growth and enlightenment, that certainty is the equivalent of trust that my story contains just the opportunities that I needed to fulfill myself and find enlightenment. So that would be another way to put it. Somebody else had a question? Right here? Yeah, are you essentially talking Hold it one sec, she's going to bring the... And then right behind you. Yes, you'll be right after. Thank you. Are you essentially talking about also finding one's unique kind of personal destiny? Because this is also kind of reminding me of James Hillman and the soul's code and that we all each have our own unique acorn that is our destiny. Yes. It would be the soul's code, that idea. Yeah. That just that happened that fit. I remember once when I was having marital problems and I said, my mother said something about, you know, how, well, you didn't have to get married to her and so forth. And I remember saying, but then I wouldn't have Josh, which is our child. And her answer was, so what? You would have had another kid. <laughs> so, of course, she's right, but it doesn't quite fit, you know. He's the one that I have and want. So, anyway. Uh, no, the person right behind and then, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're saying many things that really provoke a lot of thought. Uh, but uh, what I want to ask about, I hope I could ask this clearly, is that, uh, so, like what you said, uh, you know, accept the things you cannot change, the courage, you know, that way that help, and change the things that you can. Yeah. To me, it's not very, that's not, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful phrase. It's not that clear all the time. And you mean the... Uh AA prayer? 
Yeah, that, you know, change the things you can. There's certain things that you may want to change and you may not. And in line with everything that you're saying, like, um, and I don't know if there's an answer to this. I'm just putting this out. I mean, I'm trying more and more to kind of see where is the flow going? How am I fighting against the stream? You know, why am I fighting against the way the stream? And, um, you know, I'm dealing with right now a very personal situation with that, that, um, you know, I can change, maybe I can change a certain, how do, you, how do you make a criteria as to what, if there is any, or you can give me your personal experience of something that, um, deciding that is it better to let things be the way they are or to put your energy into a change. And I know either one that you're going to grow from, but is it a matter of just looking at... Because, like, the particular situation I'm in, many people are saying to me, you know, just, it's too hard. It's not going to be good for you. Don't try to change it. But... Um, well, the idea, I think, in the prayer is we change the things that yield to change and the things that don't yield because they have shown themselves to be beyond our control, those are the ones we meet with the serenity of surrender, accept, accept what is and make the best of it. So that would be the concept. Right. I, underst I understand that. And, uh, but I'm... Um, well... Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's more I'm asking. I don't know if there's an answer to this because it's just, it's a hard choice. Like, for example, I see animals. This is not my situation. You see animals getting, um, wolves getting shot down. And, you know, I feel my heart, you know, really hurts. I think I want to I go there. I want to do something. I want to, and then I realize, you know, what balance that in my life, except the things I cannot change and the courage change the things I can. I mean, am I, is it being more courageous to accept it or is it being more courageous to go? And I know part of that answer is what, feeling it in my heart, how much I want to do that. But I guess I'm just, you know, just in situations like that, it's not such an easy thing. I would say that in the example you gave, you could go online to find groups that are trying to help the situation with wolves, which of course have come to signify the shadow, so we're trying to kill it off. Mm. And that's very inappropriate. So it's not a matter of going into the wild, but maybe you can make a contribution to organizations that you can really trust that are trying to help the environment in that way. Right. It's not It's not the same situation. I, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying. And... Um, I don't think, I think it's something I just got to be with because I don't think I can okay. really clearly say this. Okay, I understand what you mean. Yeah. It often is a difficult choice. All right, thank you. Okay, and then you uh, had one. So we'll have one more question and then we can go on. Uh, my question is about uh, openness and limits. I, I was thinking about what you said uh, about everything is an opportunity to grow in our spiritual path. But, I mean, how 
can we tune that or how can we it's about making decisions because should we should we be open to any event or any person i was thinking for example about relationships uh, not everybody or not many people even they they are committed to 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 walk in this in this spiritual path uh, from child to adult uh, psychological work mm -hmm. so how can we I mean, how can we expose ourselves uh, without, I mean, what's the limits, no? Uh, in which, in, among them, among, we can work in our path, but without, protect, I mean, protecting also ourselves, no? What's, how can we tune that? I don't know if, does it make sense? What is the question? <laughs> how? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, I was thinking about yeah, it's so good to be open to to mm -hmm. to have this experience with these people or with in these situations with because we can learn about every from everything. But I mean, what there's some limits, I think. No, uh, um, for instance, if you uh, if you are in uh, growing in a, in a spiritual path um, and you you can choose some relationships, but you can't choose some relationships like your family or sometimes your work relationships um i mean and and if these relationships don't uh, support your in in this holding or uh, they don't accom accompany you um what's the limits uh, i was think i was wondering you no know, to your openness should should you be open i to see this? what you mean yeah mm. i would limit the amount of time with people who don't hold me, who want to judge me instead. And you're referring, of course, to family members. We don't want to cut them off, but we've learned to limit the time that we spend together. That's how it has to be. The time, I'm sorry, the time, but also the attitude, no? I mean... Attitude of loving kindness, no retaliation but also no willingness to endure abuse. And Thanksgiving and Christmas are perfect times to <laughs> talk about this. All right, let's take a short break and then we'll come back. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.